When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. I'm Deanna Singh, your Chief Change Agent from Uplifting Impact, and I am so excited to be hosting another show with all of you here today. We believe that the more conversations we have, the more we can move closer to these ideas of creating a world that is diverse, equitable, and inclusive. And today, I have such a special guest with me. So today I'm going to be talking to Cecilia Agude, and Cecilia has done so many amazing things. It took us like 20 minutes to even press record because of all the wonderful things that she's done. I needed to ask her details about so many of them, but let me tell you a couple of the things uh, that she's had the opportunity to do. Right now, she is working with IRI as the global head of DEI, and in this role, what she does is she really partners across the global organization to facilitate the development, implementation, and continuous evolution of DEI strategy within the company, looking at the programs, the tools, and all of the resources to make sure that she can help build successful programs and efforts, and also advancing some of the ones that already exist. One of the really uh, cool things that I got to learn about her as we were preparing for our talk today is that she's also an avid community member. So she does a lot of different kinds of uh, community work. Some of the organizations where she volunteers are the SEO, New York Cares, Habitat for Humanity, Meals on Wheels, and supports the arts as a Met Opera Young Associate. She also is an avid traveler, and this is where we were having so much fun talking before the show because she has done so many different cool things, but one of them is climbing to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, I just said it all wrong, Kilimanjaro, um, which is Africa's highest mountain. And she did that in a combination of travel and volunteer work because it was uh, to raise money for a really awesome organization. So we are so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I sound so good when I, I hear you making that introduction. But thank <laughs> you. I'm so appreciative of being here to really have this lovely conversation with you. Well, thank you. You know, I think one of the things that we've started to do, and I just love, is asking our guests, what is something that brings you joy? Oh, what a year to ask that question. I've been <laughs> thinking about this for a while. And I think one is, I'm originally from Ghana, and I come from a large family. One set of grandparents had 11 kids, and my dad has 12 um, eight boys and uh, four girls, and I'm one. I'm the third born and the first of of the girls. So, as you could imagine, family is a huge part of that for me. Um, most are still in Ghana, um, but the beauty is that we have a few that are also in the U.S. and most are in New York City. Um, so, being in New York gives me joy in a sense that I'm able to connect 
with the ones that are here. So whenever I'm feeling homesick, whenever I need a good laugh, whenever I just need to just chill and relax, I get a chance to just either hop on a train, get an Uber because I don't drive, um, just to see my friend, family, right? Really and embrace that and have that moment with them. I also have a group of friends that are here because I've been here for so long that I, it just gives me that chance to connect. And I think this year, if anything, really has emphasized the importance of having those moments with people that you love and you appreciate. So that has literally been probably one of the biggest joys for me in recent years. So yeah, family, New York, just adding all of that really gives me that joy. That is so awesome. And I think, you know, when we talk about like the work of, of diversity, equity, inclusion, I have to say this, this morning, a colleague called no agenda, no, right? Like uh, this is something we have to solve for, no anything, but just called to make a connection, right? Just called to be able to say, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Like you said, a good laugh, a good, and, and I think that so often we spend so much of our time in particular at work, even now in the virtual world, right? Even if we're in our own homes, we're still working. We're still on meetings. In fact, now I feel like we're, we're meeting more than we ever have in the, in the past, right? Um, so how do we create, it's not never going to be family. That's not the same, right? It's different. But how do we create those moments of connection, right? Those, those moments of, of connectivity. So anyways, as you were thinking, I was, I was thinking about how much I enjoy that and, and just how mm-hmm. important that is really in the, in the work that we do, that we have to have those spaces where you can, where you can go to. Yeah. I, I think you said it just then, right? Your friend or a colleague just set up some time. I have done that. I remember during the height of, you know, everything that was happening, we, of course, we, have, we talk about the murder of George Floyd and others. And then you also talk about a lot of the violence and, uh, you know, racial bias against our communities that are part of the Asian and Pacific Islander. And I literally just scheduled a meeting with one of our ERG leaders and we had no calendar. No, we had no gender, And that was the conversation. And she said one thing. She's like, Cecilia, you're probably one of the first people that have asked me, how am I doing? Mm. You know, and she said it not because her friends are not great, but she's like, I'm so strong, right? I come off so competent and so strong that everybody thinks I'm fine. Yeah. And this is the first time someone has just taken the times, like, I saw this time, you were free. And I just wanted to check up on you. And that is probably one of the biggest things. Like, how do we find moments where it's not always have to be, oh, I need this done or I need this work done. But just put some time on someone's calendar and say, how are you doing? What is new? Like, how can I help you? Do you want to chat about your favorite show? Like, just <laughs> connect in. Exactly. And you do. Once you have that, you break that barrier. Um, it really does help. So making those times and moments to connect with individuals is it's probably one of the biggest things that you could do. And then the other piece is taking time. Sometimes you also have to block your calendar and say, you know what? I'm going to go and sit away from my desk for 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, so I think those are really the two key pieces is engage, you know, this, yes, we call it social, social distance, but it doesn't mean that we cannot engage in meaningful ways, even when we're not right next to each other. Absolutely. And as I, I wish I could like, you know, what do they do? Snap? Do I, do, <laughs> Because sometimes people come to us and I, I don't know if you have the same thing, right, Cecilia? So people come, they have these issues, they're having concerns. They're like, we're, we're in this digital age. I don't know how to create connectivity. People are so disconnected. It's such a core part of who we are. How do we do that? And I'm like, 
No, let's not think about this as an obstacle. Let's think about this as an opportunity. You know what this means? It means that actually I can have more conversations with people that before the only way we'd be able to do it is if I had like 45 minutes to commute and then find mm-hmm. parking and then do, mm-hmm. right? Like we had to go through all these different things. And now we have normalized being able to talk just from my home to your home. I can push a couple buttons and we can make a connection in a way that I never could have even conceived maybe before all of this happened. So how do we how do we take, I think, the opportunities to make the connections, to put time on the calendar, to step away when we need to step away, but also how do we create the opportunities in our mind to think about some of the constrictions that we have as mm-hmm. opportunities, right? Yeah. As a way for us to be able to, to connect more. That is such a profound question. And, and again, people come to us looking for these big answers. Sometimes it's simple things. It is. It is, right? And I think that even comes to its core of when we talk about DEI, is about humanizing all of us. Because at times I think we just forget about the fact that, guess what? We are all human beings. Everybody's going through similar tri- uh, you know, trials and tribulations. It might look different. But once you take away that piece, trust me, you connect. The connection is so great. One thing that I, 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 I have started doing, when, especially as I join IRI, is every meeting I have a one-pager of just pictures. And I just talk about those pictures. I don't, I don't have any words on it. And I started doing that more and more because I feel like it kind of it breaks down the whole silo of like work and oh she's so senior she's doing this I'm like look at this I love these shows I watch these kind of shows I I love me some golden girls like even in those moments of that exactly of that five minutes of me introducing myself I'm going beyond my credentials you can find me on LinkedIn right? Those moments of us, like, I'm from this country, this is my family, this is just giving you that context. And then you have people just ping, and I'm like, yes, I am from Africa too, or I'm from this. It really creates that connection, like that ability to, you know, to have that intersectional connection where it goes beyond just the color, it goes beyond the title, it goes beyond the representation, right? It's humanizing that connection. So the little things that we can do, right, that we could really do to connect us beyond the day-to-day makes so much difference. And as leaders, that's what we try to do, right? I'm constantly looking for different ways. I'm like, what can I do to kind of bring this forward? What what campaign? Who do we want to get involved <laughs> in? And I want everyone. It's not going to be the top of the house. I want someone that just joined the organization yesterday, right? right. I want to hear your story. We need to share our stories because it truly then breaks down that barrier. And then when I email you or I meet with you, we have maybe five minutes of chatting. That has nothing to do with work. And that is still, it's, you know, it's, what do they call it? Chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. That old book that we used to have. It really fulfills us. Um, right. So yeah, I think it's, you said it, it's the small things. It is the small thing. So I do have a question because you are in a senior leadership role, right? And so I think one of the things that people are curious about is number one, is it important for us to have, uh, you know, diverse senior leaders? And if we do have diverse senior leaders, it's not just having the leaders, but what are the other components that sort of have to be in place in order for having diversity at the senior leadership team for it to make an impact? Those are two kind of questions. I know. Is it important? Representation is important, period, right? (laughs) And you see it in everything, right? Representation is is important and it's not just a lip service. You also have talent. 
So if I'm talented, why am I not up there? If you're a talented, why aren't you not, you know, why are you not up there? So it's all about, we have this skill set is literally ingrained in every community, every, every uh, group, every orientation is there. Then we need to figure out then why is it not happening naturally? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I heard the funniest, it was a joke, but at the same time, not a joke. Like somebody said, if you're with a company and you're based out in New York and they don't have diversity at all levels of the organization, that's a problem. Because guess what? New York is probably the most diverse place that you could possibly be. So it is there. So the reason why it's important is representation. And two, there is mm-hmm. talent. So why aren't we making it up to, you know, uh, to the top of the house? So that's one big piece. Um, the other question that you're asking in terms of once you were there, like, can you um, explain that again, the second question? Sure. So, you know, the, the second part of it is like, so, yes, we have talent, but what does that, what do we have to do? What, how do we set that talent up so that if there's diverse talent, it's not just like, oh, there's diverse talent, but know that it actually can make a difference in the organization. Correct. Um, and there's a, f- there's a f- few ways to to kind of engage with that, right? I think as you're bringing, one is you need to understand what is the fundamental gaps or deficit you have in your organization that is preventing the movement of diverse talent. Because once you understand that, it will give you a better sense of as you're moving people up, right? Because it's not all about bringing new people in. You have amazing talent within the organization already. So as we're bringing people up, what are the gaps, right? What are the things that, what are the barriers that is impacting them from success? So that equitable piece, right, is where we talk about. So identifying that and intentionally leaning into it and addressing it, right? And so for you to have that diverse talent up there, we need to ensure that all the barriers that might have prevented people from moving up the organization is intentionally being addressed and we're, you know, we're breaking those barriers down. And then once you have the leaders there, the same way you're, you you do with any other organization, what is the need of that leader? And how do we ensure that you're constantly providing that support and the education that they need to be successful? Because a successful leader means a successful organization, right? And there's no organization when you go up to the senior leadership where we are not, you know, in some sense, working with our senior leaders to provide either coaching, to provide any of those areas that they need to do. So think about it the same way for diverse leaders, right? We all have areas that we could improve on. So it is up to us as leaders to make sure that we are supporting those that are coming up and we continue to support them to make sure that they are thriving. So I'm going to say something that's maybe just been on my mind. Okay. Because I get to coach a lot of executives and executives from all different social identities and all different backgrounds. And one of the things that I see consistently, and it just like, I don't know what to do with it. Right. And and what you just said, kind of like brought it to the top of my mind again, is that oftentimes people of color and especially, right. And especially women of color, I, I, I tend to have a lot of women of color who I coach get to a place where they, they get into a position, a leadership position, and they're in the position, and they're struggling with this, or they're struggling with that, only to find out that everybody else who's on their same level or whatever is getting some kind of coaching, exactly. part of some kind of, you know, and so we have in our notion that, right, like in order for, uh, you know, people from different identities to be successful, we have to do all this extra stuff. When actually, 
it's not doing extra stuff. It's doing sometimes the same thing that you have done for the other, for the other people in your group. And it's just, it's just one of those things where it's happened so consistently, right? That mm-hmm. it'll be a management team, 12 people on the team. 11 of them have all gotten the same coaching package, the same training, the same, mm-hmm. this, except for the one woman, except for the one, right? And I'm thinking yeah. that should be the red flag for you, right? And so anyways, Yeah, and no, no, I 100%, right? And I think it also comes down to there are different factors, right? Some of it could be cultural. Somebody could be like, I am strong. I can do this. I don't want to show weakness, right? We, it's all about this is your development. And guess what? Your development is the development of the organization. It is imperative for all leaders to be able to be at their best and their full potential to be able to do their work. Right. So I think breaking the barrier of seeking support, seeking help is not a sign of weakness. It's, if anything, it's really a sign of like, hey, I noticed like you are much more self-reflective. Right. So, you know, the areas that you need to work on to be to continue to be your best self and organizations are always willing to lean in and support. Right. Right. I think that's so interesting because it is kind of this cycle, right? We don't provide the support. And then a lot of times people from different marginalized social identities might not ask for it because we've been taught we shouldn't, that it's a sign of mm-hmm. weakness. And so yeah. you just have this like thing. And sometimes we just come in and pop that balloon. And all of a sudden, right, people are able to really be successful because they are being resourced, not even more than other people, but at the same level for the first mm-hmm. time. And then you yeah. start to see the, the the growth. So anyways, I digress. So my... <laughs> So another question um, that I have for you is what does it mean for you? And I know, you know, these, these conversations, these topics are so important to you, but what does it mean for you to have a commitment to diversity every day? How do you fulfill that commitment? What is your commitment and how do you kind of categorize that? And how do you fulfill it on a daily basis? How do I fulfill it? Um, I think for me, that's, that's a very good question for me at its core, it comes back, you know, it's not always just you, right? But at its core, it's all about advocacy, right? At its core, it's about making sure that others that are not at the table are have a voice, are being seen and are being heard. And this comes back to my experience coming in from Ghana and coming to New York City. I went to NYU. If you ever have had the opportunity to go to NYU, it is probably one of the most liberal places you have ever been. But at the same time, it's a place that truly fosters this environment of like, bring your whole self to work. Uh, My first time on campus, I think, and I was telling someone I saw for the first time, I think in outside of TV, I saw same-sex couple, like a beautiful relationship, and you were walking, and just, you, you just see this, like, normalized. It's not like, oh my God, look at this. And then you're seeing different representations across the board, and how do you continue to thrive? Because we create spaces for that, right? And we allow, you know, it's not, you know, it's not something that we're trooping. So, For me, advocacy is at its core. So every single day when I come into this role, when I sit in this chair, because we are in this chair, I'm always thinking about how am I advocating for others? How am I advocating to make sure that people are being heard? How am I advocating for either the underrepresented and also the 
you know, represented in this organization, because that is what DEI is all about, right? It's not just for one group versus the other, it's for all of us. So I'm constantly thinking about what am I doing to advocate for others? What am I doing to educate? And then how am I also helping our leaders to think through how do we continue to drive the needle forward? right? Because it is cultural change, is behavior change, as well as really making some intentional changes in how we look at talent across the board to create that high-performing culture, right? But I think at its core, it's about advocacy for me, right? Because that is what we're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that one of the things, there's so many things about what you just said that makes so much sense to me. You're right. Like at, at its core, it, it's almost like a synonym, right? If you think about diversity, equity, inclusion work, and you think about the sector and what we do, and you think about the word advocacy, they're like one and one and of the same. You cannot have one without the other. So I agree completely. One of the things that you just said, though, that I want to um, highlight mm-hmm. is that I'm here to advocate for everyone. Right. We spend a lot of time talking about advocating for marginalized groups because that is core. There has been a a lack of that for so long. Right. There's a deficiency there. We do have to press in harder if we don't do it. Sometimes it doesn't get done. Right. Like all the reasons why it's important to really, I think, in some ways prioritize. Right. Like what we're doing. And but it doesn't mean it's at the exclusion of or at the expense of advocating for others. So I was wondering if you could just maybe talk about that just a little bit more, like why you said it and and what that means for you. Because, uh, thank you. Yes, that that has definitely been a thought for me, right? Because I think we're coming into spaces where you are 100% right, right? There are individuals, there are groups within our society that are in whatever way or shape or whatever reason and I'm sure we can list them, you know, if we if we make the time to do so, have been prevented from having equal access, you know, to move up within any space that they jump in. Um, and so we there, there is always going to be that hyper focus to make sure that we are breaking down those barriers so that that access is equal for everyone, regardless of your background. Right. And regardless of your orientation or regardless of what you, you know, uh, how you present within this world. So that's always going to be a focus around DEI. At the same time, we're creating spaces that we want to make sure that everyone is coming in and everyone is able to belong. Right. So I can't say I'm coming in to help an organization like IRI or any, you know, JP Morgan or any of the organizations that I've worked with and marginalize the majority. Like, what, what are you doing? You are at, at its core, you've already failed as a DEI uh, practitioner, yeah. right? It's about creating spaces for everyone to feel a sense of belonging, for everyone to be able to bring their whole self to work. Because once you do, once you break down that barrier and people are not feeling like, oh, I need to hide this portion of me or this portion of me, you're all going to open up spaces where people can truly shine. The ideas that you're going to come up with, the initiative, the insight, because they know they're not going to be judged because they identify differently or they act differently or they believe in, it, in different things, right? So at its core, you can't say I'm here for only one group. Yes, we need to focus on some groups, depending on what the needs are, but we are here for everyone. That is amazing. Um, I know that there are so many people who are going to want to follow what you are doing, learn more from you, learn how to do that, right? How we create these more encompassing kind of thinking of everyone's strategies. So can you just tell us what's the best way to stay in touch with your great work? Thank you so much for that. Uh, LinkedIn is the best way to stay in touch with me. Um, so, 
Cecilio Gooday, LinkedIn. Um, the same way IRIs also uh, definitely follow um, the IRI handle as well on LinkedIn because we do share, we celebrate, we educate, we listen, we advocate in different ways and means through those um, venues as well, avenues as well. So definitely utilize those too. And I am happy to hear about others' ideas because as I said, it takes a village and we are not just doing this within our organization, but we continue to do it as well within all the societies that we serve and, you know, operate in. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from people. That is so awesome. Well, thank you so very much for your time. And thank you so very much for being here with us today. And to all of those who are listening, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Uplifting Impact Podcast. We know that we need more people to help us uplift the impact. We can't do this by ourselves. And I really loved everything that we learned today, but want to highlight, remember, this is all about humanizing, right? This is all about making those connections, about creating those opportunities. And another wonderful thing that we heard is advocacy. At the end of the day, this is the same thing we are trying to do as we are trying to create opportunity for advocacy. So please walk away with those lessons, but don't walk away with them by yourself. Invite a friend to go ahead and join us for the Uplifting Impact podcast because we love to have more friends. We love to be able to create more connections. So please feel free to share your thoughts with us directly either through our website, upliftingimpact.com or on LinkedIn through either myself, Deanna Singh or Justin Ponder. But until next week, we will see you soon and we need you to keep on uplifting the impact. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.